Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, April 8th, we look at Lesson 2, A Moment of Destiny. Together, let's see the second coming of Jesus Christ through the lens of the Book of Revelation. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, here we are, lesson two of this uh, second quarter, A Moment of Destiny, and our memory text comes from Revelation 14, verses 14 and 15, New King James Version. Then I looked and behold, a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the uh, out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Uh, It's amazing to hear that for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Can't wait for that day and for that moment. And I love how the lesson is setting us up, uh, talking about the second coming of Christ through the lens of the three angels message. Absolutely. And this is a great way to just kind of continue on as we're just diving deep, diving into the three angels messages and how we've understood that has kind of um, developed over time as a sense of of mission, a sense of purpose and calling has been very much a part of this passage here in Revelation 14. Yes. And so, Michael, we're, we're talking about that calling, that, that compelling uh, calling, I, I guess you could say. Take, mm-hmm. us to, take us to Sunday's lesson, Eternal Choices. Yeah. So, Revelation 14 is really, I mean, there is no more Adventist chapter than Revelation chapter <laughs> 14, you know, just this describing the three angels messages and, you know, a lot of the uh, symbolism that our church has, the current logo has kind of a, like a Bible and it looks like a, a, but the symbolism in there is those three angels, right? And the old church logo used to be even more pronounced these, the three angels that's been a part of our um, Adventist identity from the very beginning. Um, and in fact, even William Miller, I've been reading his writings this past week. Very interesting. He he sees the three angels messages as part of Adventist identity, even before there's even a church as, as we're looking at the beginnings, the early beginnings of Adventism. Of course, that self-understanding has developed and changed over time a little bit, nuanced. Um, yes. But uh, at the heart of it, at the heart of it, Matthew 24, verse 14, uh, which is no... Uh, should should be very familiar, I guess I should say, um, uh, not a foreign text to us, I guess is what I was trying. Um, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And depending on your particular uh, translation that says, um, uh, you can see where it says to all nations, uh, or a witness to all nations, but the idea that that there's some kind of public proclamation that occurs. And this ties in very nicely with verse 6 of Revelation 14. And then I saw another angel 
flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth to every, and this is a, a familiar phrase you'll see in different places, right? To every right. nation and tribe and language and people. Now, depending on your translation, maybe slightly different nuance of the word, but the idea that there are different people who need to hear, who need to be invited to be able to decide these eternal realities and hence the name of our lesson uh, for today eternal choices because that sharing and promulgation of the gospel is at the heart of what god's people do at the end of time and i know you can talk about apocalyptic you can talk about numbers you can talk about prophecies and everything yes. else, but more important than all of that is an invitation a personal invitation at the very end of time, that's what God's people are. That's what they're responsible. That's what they're tasked with doing is inviting other people to come to know and love Jesus, the invitation, the gospel invitation. Um, and so that's that's the part of their role. But not only is there a mm -hmm. role person and Monday's lesson tells us about that, the son of man returns. Buster, what, what, what's going on? You know, I, it's very interesting because sometimes you read things and you gloss over it. Uh, but this lesson brings out the title that Jesus uses for himself quite often. As mm -hmm. you can see there in the lesson, it says that he uses this title for himself, referring to Jesus, 82 times in the Gospels. And uh, Revelation 14, 14, then I looked and behold, a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And so it's asking this question, why do you think John used this title? Well, it's because Jesus used this title. Mm -hmm. And when asked why, it, why did Jesus use this term? Well, it was to me the fulfillment of Emmanuel, God with us. But now this is God endeared to us. He's mm -hmm. not just with us because he has to be. He wants to be. He claims his uh, title, son of man, but also son of God. He is both. And yeah. he uses both depending on what he's referring to. Uh, and he can occupy both because that's who he is. Uh, so Matthew 16, 27 talks about his second coming. Uh, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and with his angels and reward each according to his works. 24, 27 of Matthew. And for as lightning comes from the east to the west, uh, from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So we see that Jesus uses this term, and it, it adds something here to this lesson. I, I appreciated it. There at the very bottom, if you look uh, in your lesson on, on Monday's lesson, mm -hmm. Jesus, the Son of Man, is coming in the glory with his angels. He will divide the sheep from the goats. Uh, basically, there's going to be a judgment. We're going to talk about that here coming up in Tuesday's lesson, Michael. And mm -hmm. last but not least, the destiny of the nations and all humanity will be decided for eternity. So there is a finality uh, that's coming about with all of this. And that doesn't scare us, but that actually should excite us. Uh, Michael, you were talking a little bit earlier about we could talk about uh, end time prophecies and and signs of the times about things that are coming. But one of the greatest attributes of the second coming is that God's people will be so connected with him and he dwells within them that there's going to be an overflow of witnessing that comes about. And it's because people that know God as the son of man, people that know him personally, there will be no choice but to have an overflow of saying, hey, get ready. The son of man is coming. And so as we look at that, Michael, please take us to Tuesday's lesson, The Heavenly Judgment. 
Yeah. So this is kind of intense, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Like they have to, to sit in, in, in judgment. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, it's kind of funny because we've had a couple of recent stories uh, by church leaders. I'm not going to mention names, but uh, I don't know. It felt like it was almost like confession time <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> in, in of uh, people getting pulled over and getting tickets. Right. Yes. And so uh, you're, you're in judgment, right? You're, you're having to, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your title. doesn't matter your bank account. <laughs> yeah. if, if you're speeding or, or something else, you know, you get pulled yeah. over, you get pulled over. And, uh, and so, yeah, so the judgment, uh, and, and so we have this description for us, uh, revelation 14, again, verse 14, then I looked and behold a white cloud. And on the cloud sat one like the son of man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And so this is this kind of accounting that that takes place, right? That's when Jesus comes, there's going to be, uh, there's a finality that that at that point, uh, what has been done has been done. There, there's going to be. Uh, there's going to be time a millennium, uh, you know, there's going to be time for people to review what's going, what's happened. But, but right now in, in the anticipation of that, there is this, what we call the, the investigative judgment. Um, yes. Uh, this preparation, this time, you know, some people kind of have problems with that. Like how, how what, what does that mean? You know, as if, you know, um, and it all depends on if you know who the judge is. Mm. And, the beauty of of Revelation fourteen verse fourteen is that it tells us we know uh, we don't have to guess we know Jesus is that judge, and and so that's that's the beauty of it. And then Acts chapter uh, one verses nine through eleven, you have the same kind of image, except for this is when Jesus goes up into heaven, right when he's transfigured, um, and <laughs> they're kind of looking up into the sky. And it says, the same Jesus who's been taken from you will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And the point being is that it's Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. is Jesus is the one that comes when there's the finality of of, of time here on this earth. Uh, that happens when Jesus comes. And so Jesus is the one that puts an end to that. But the great, the good news is, and I think a lot of people are afraid of the judgment. They're afraid because they have kind of a, a misunderstanding of what the judgment is, as if they could only be perfect enough, if they can only be whatever. And and part of the beauty of the gospel message is Jesus is not only our judge, but he's our savior. He's our he's our Lord. He's our friend. Uh, and so when you have the person who's your lawyer, so to speak, right, who's <laughs> advocating on your behalf, but he's also the judge. You you know you know at that point that that person is on your side. You don't have to be afraid of the outcome of the judgment as long as you are in relationship with him and proper relationship with him and and so that is that is truly um good news the other image that's here of course is daniel chapter 7 yes 9 10 and then of course uh 13 and 14 and uh again a description of this judgment taking place at the very end of time says the ancient of days whose garment was as white Mm -hmm. as snow and the hair of head like pure wool his throne was like a fiery flame and his wheels was burning fire. And um, and then it says the end of 10, verse 10 here, um, at all this this vivid scene is, is, is described here. It says the judgment was set and the books were opened. 
and then uh you know there's this this process that's going on and it says verse 13 the son of man okay same reference to who jesus of course um and then it says that the ancient of days um that the son of man comes in the clouds of heaven and, and of course this beautiful description there was given him dominion and glory a kingdom all the people nations languages right uh kingdom peoples nations languages in the in the original there you see a parallel right a parallel right. to the mission here again see that in several different places but again uh, it's to remind us of what the purpose of god's people is and then it finally says that this will be an everlasting kingdom that shall not pass away and his kingdom shall not be destroyed. So just a beautiful uh, promise here, a reminder yeah. what the purpose of the judgment is, is that there's a finality of sin and everything as we know it here on earth. But it's not because God's trying to take this away or scare us because he loves us. And finally, there is ultimately an end to what we know and and that takes place that transition point happens when Jesus, both our advocate as well as judge, comes a second time. That's that great day of expectation that we look forward to. Yes, it is. Well, you know, put a finality, a finality to everything we know. And um, we we should not, we, we should take it seriously, right? I mean, because Jesus wants us to take it seriously. He wants us to be, um, we wants as many as possible. God doesn't want anyone to perish, right? Uh, and so that's that's part of what's going on is this uh, sense of understanding not only the judgment, but uh, an invitation for us to be in relationship with him. And if we are, that will ultimately lead to the victor's crown. Uh, Buster, what what is this talking about? Well, Michael, speaking of what you're talking about, which is <laughs> finality, but also this this crowning moment. Right. So. It's, it's interesting. It doesn't use the word uh, that's oftentimes used as crown. This is Stephanos, which means the victor's crown. This means the one who is victorious is coming. And if, if anything else, we should start acting, not acting, but knowing that we are on the winning side. Sometimes we as Christians, we're divided amongst ourselves. We're constantly fighting. We're bickering over sometimes the minor things. And the large thing is we win because God already won and mm -hmm. he's coming back to reap those who won with him, which is what this uh, Wednesday's lesson is pointing out here. Revelation 14, 15, we've read that multiple times. I won't read that again, but I will go to Mark chapter four, verses 26 through 29. Then he mm -hmm. said, the king, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then after, then, and after that, the full head of grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And that's what this lesson is bringing out. Jesus wins and he is victorious and he is coming to gather those who chose to win with him. Uh, so we can make that decision before, but not during that moment. Uh, the judgment, as you just talked about, Michael, it proceeds. And so it's it's something that happens and a decision that we make. And it's not a one-time decision. It's a lifetime decision. It's the moments of our lives that are added up. Are we actually on the victor's side? Or were we right there in the middle, which is actually the losing side? Uh, either you're hot or you're cold. 
Uh, if you're lukewarm, what does he do? He spews you out of his mouth. And there's so many of us that are lukewarm. Uh, and God wants us to be hot. He wants us to be ready. How does that happen? Well, there's this quote, uh, Christ's Objects Lesson, page 65 and 66. The germination of the seed represents the beginning of spiritual life, and the development of the plant is a beautiful figure of Christian growth as, a, as in nature, so as in grace. There can be no life without growth. The plant must either grow or die, as its growth is silent and, uh, and, impercept and imperceptible, but continuous, so is the development of the Christian life. At every stage of development, our life may be perfect, yet if God's purpose for us is fulfilled, there will be continual advancement. Sanctification is a work of a lifetime. As our opportunities multiply, our experience will, will enlarge and our knowledge increase. And so you see this thing that happens, it's growth, it's that seed that's planted. And so in order for there to be a harvest that's ripened, there has to be a life that is growing in Christ. And so that's the challenge to all of us, win with the victor by choosing to grow in Christ. Which brings us to Thursday's lesson, Michael, every seed produces a harvest. Indeed. So, you know, this this is a great metaphor because in the ancient Near East and the world of the first century, what people largely relied upon was a, it was an agricultural year. And so you had bad crops that meant pe people were going to probably starve to death. And so yes, sir, you did have some transportation and some exchange of goods, but but still uh, people were far more dependent upon, uh, you know, just everyday items and and so for them, the seed represents life. And so you would carefully guard your seeds that you would use for your crops and then obviously plant them. And as the harvest drew nigh, that this was um, this was important. You don't, leave, you don't leave those crops just sitting in your fields for weeks and weeks and months. Um, that's your investment. That's your um, that's your food you're going to eat. That's that's any any of your livelihood that you're going to sell your excess to, to other people. And so, yeah, you're going to, you're going to value every little seed. And this is what it's talking about here. Um, Revelation chapter 14, verses 17 to 20. And not only are there harvests in terms of uh, good, but also for, uh, for evil, uh, but that there is, there is a, a finality that's going on. Right. Verse 17 talks about this, and an angel comes out with a sharp sickle. Then verse 18, another angel comes from the altar who had power over fire, Ooh. right? And saying it uh, with a sharp sickle and saying, thrust in your sharp sickle and, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth where the grapes are fully ripe. So, and again, uh, this would have been the world of the first century. So grape harvest for grape juice or wine or whatever you want to call it. And um, and then it says verse 19, so the angel, these are descriptions or metaphors, right? Trying to help explain what's going on. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. So this isn't just any kind of, uh, this, is, this is what people would have done in the ancient world. They would have taken it to the winepress. And at that point, the harvest was finished because that was the day of judgment. That was accountability. Mm -hmm grapes themselves they should be ripe at that point they shouldn't be too ripe or underripe they have to be just ripe to have that grape juice so that it is preserved so the wine press was trampled well what trampling is going on well usually you have uh, either people or animals that are walking around in circles right and and making sure and it says 
and blood came out of the wine wine press up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. Well, it's describing for us this the, that there are consequences. There is a uh, harvest, and and this is a biblical metaphor. It's a, a metaphor that a lot of people would have been very uh, would have been familiar with in the first century. And it's yes, not hey say here's a harvest, but but there's a timeliness to it. It's time when the harvest is ripe. You don't just keep waiting. It's time to act with a sense of urgency. Uh, and and that's part of the point the lesson makes. I think that's quite nice is that that we can't just be complacent and sit, yeah. you know, oh, the Revelation 14. I know we have the truth and everything. <laughs> we have to let that truth change our lives. And that's not just saying, oh, yeah, Jesus is coming again. It should change how we live our lives, how we relate to one another, how we understand the world around us, a whole framework that's anchored in a biblical understanding, an understanding of this cosmic conflict going on between Christ and Satan. Yeah, I love that, Michael. And allow the actual uh, story and the relationship to transform our lives rather than just head knowledge. It should be life knowledge, should be heart knowledge, should be all of it together. Has to be. So, well, you know, I'm excited. This is a great lesson. We're already, you know, moving down into the into the three angels. It's a momentous time. That's why it calls the lesson a moment of destiny, because people are realizing or recognizing, discovering their own sense of calling and purpose for God's people at the end of time. It's not something that's taken lightly, not in an arrogant way, but in a humble way, a humble responsibility until that sickle comes, until that great day, glorious day. Jesus comes, that we do have this opportunity right now to share others uh, with the gospel message, to, to invite them to come to know and love Jesus as their personal Savior. You know, Michael, I was looking up a uh, quote that I saw earlier uh, by Mark Finley, who's the principal contributor of this quarter's lesson. Right. Uh, it says, if my understanding of prophecy doesn't make me more loving, kind, compassionate Christian, then I should reevaluate my understanding. And I think that ties in handily with what you just shared, Michael. I love it. It's got to change us. It does. So from the inside out. Well, I think that puts a a, a wrap for another week, Buster. What do you think? I believe so. Excited that uh, our next uh, couple couple weeks, we're going to be able to actually uh, be together in person, record live uh, in person. So looking forward to those uh, next couple episodes with you, Buster. And uh, until then, invite you to come back each week as we listen Uh, As we share the Sabbath school lesson, Sabbath school rescue, this is until next time. This is Soup and Swoops signing Signing out. out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.